Amrita, Bhakti, why are we so sleep deprived? Oh, I'm not sleep deprived. I'm just in a bad mood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, Amrita, you're in a bad mood and, you know, I'm just a little tired. In fact, I'm always just a little tired, right? So I think I think at least for the sake of this episode, we have to stop making excuses and come out and tell the truth. My name is Bhakti Shringarpure and I'm sleep deprived. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Amrita Ghosh and I am sleep deprived. There we have it out now. And hopefully that means we are going to have great sleep for the rest of our lives. I doubt it. It all with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm I'm not a great sleeper. I'm a light sleeper, but I'm not, I don't think I'm deprived necessarily of sleep. I don't know. I, I still I do sleep, but I'm too light of a sleeper, I think. Um, but I have slept even less the past couple of days because I know that we're having a sleep expert on our show. <laughs> Ruhi Snyder will join us and she's going to totally, I'm just worried she's going to pronounce me like dysfunctional. But, um, but I'm also excited to learn, you know. But the irony of it all that you're walking into uh, an episode with a sleep expert, I certainly haven't slept well. <laughs> so I guess why? why? Why do you why do you say that? Let's start to analyze. I think I have not been a good sleeper in the last decade or so. It has to do with motherhood. We should talk about that. It has to do with work. It has to do with everything, the hyperconnectivity of the cell phones. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's a strange, but it's a very pertinent thing to talk about our sleep because it yeah. affects everything else. I know. I know. Um, yeah, but like maybe you're just one of those uh you know a, a genius like this untapped genius because you know how they always say like the geniuses don't sleep obama i know obama's not a genius but like world leader right uh, obama um slept only four hours he functioned on four hours and then you have all our yogis and gurus you know uh, who also don't sleep or they're just in a perpetual meditation there is this myth that if you're a bad sleeper, you're probably doing something extraordinary with your time. Are you? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, when you were talking about genius or world leader sleeping so less, I was thinking about Shah Rukh Khan. I think there's this whole what? thing about he sleeps very little, four or five hours. It's out there somewhere. And so it makes him so handsome still <laughs> and so popular. <laughs> and people look good with so little sleep. I don't understand it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how did we get here? Uh, because yeah. I was reading the statistics are confounding. It's shocking to say that I know, I know. globally this is a crisis, um, yeah. and, you know. Yeah. You know, everywhere. personally, I've never actually pondered the question of sleep um, mm. until I started to do my research back in the PhD days, you know, many years ago. And, um, and I also see myself as someone who... Um, learned about the world after 9-11, you know, after 9-11 happened, I was in New York. And then that's when like politics began to fall into place. I started to understand, you know, international politics. And the thing that killed me, I remember, and made me think about sleep is the fact that sleep deprivation is an official form of torture. Like the Kubrick manual 
which was you know uh, came out in the 50s and it's like it it details like ways to cause the body most pain mm. and of course they are talking a lot about electricity uh, in that manual that the CIA and then every other regime you know uh, mm. took on those tips but sleep deprivation uh, is a much used form of torture in prisons you know uh, we have all this um, uh, spectacular amounts of information about the way children's rights are abused in israeli prisons we know about guantanamo abu ghraib and sleep deprivation is used again and again up to 180 hours uh, of deprivation from sleep so um i'm sorry to have switched like this and uh, just suddenly gone so, uh, so super depressing but it's the first uh, first thing i realized is like the extent to which sleep deprivation um, is uh, is a political tool, um, and uh, and while we're talking about the extreme version of it that I just did, uh, it's just something as a society we've also become used to making excuses. Oh, you know, it's okay. I function on very little. I'm not a bad sleeper. I'm just, you know, I I, I function on very little. That's one of my favorite lines. Oh, I just I function on very little. But am I functioning? I don't know. I mean, there's pride associated with little sleep, right? As we just talked yes. about. It. But, you know, one thing is about this intensely horrifying thing about sleep deprivation used as torture. But the other side of it is, you know, there is a global sleep day where we are celebrating or at least encouraging people to what? sleep. Yeah, I, I think March 17th is a global sleep day. But is it a bank holiday? I mean, <laughs> what? how are we supposed to sleep? <laughs> I think it's, it, I don't know if it started this year, but certainly I remember March 17, 2023 was celebrated as Global Sleep Day, awesome. where people are encouraged to sleep, prioritize our sleeps. Um, so something is happening that it is being recognized at least yeah. we are a sleep deprived yeah. or maybe yeah. more than that. But, you know, on the I was also thinking about uh, recently a uh, trip to the supermarket there's this whole commodification of sleep. There's these sleep pills, sleep this, sleep uh, mm -hmm. perfume, sleep lavender, and yeah. sleep sleep pillows, sleep comfort this, comfort that. So, yeah. you know, it's also... I, I peddle in a lot of sleep drugs myself, actually, Amrita. It, it's, you're unlucky to live in a different town, but go on. <laughs> but yeah, I'm also interested in the whole commodification of it also. I mean, there's a crisis, Absolutely. there's torture, but also there's a complete fetish created because of the sleep crisis that we're having. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's also, I mean, that's just capitalism, right? And we're going to talk about that with uh, Ruhi, I'm sure, because I know she's worked on um, that kind of stuff. Um, but I think I think another sleep awareness, and we should talk about that before our guest comes into the studio, is the torture that is uh, uh, motherhood and oh. how that completely uh, messes with everything. And I know it's not fair because I think there's lots of people who are not mothers um, or parents that uh, still suffer from this. And I think we can still kind of blame capitalism at the end of the day and hyperconnectivity mm -hmm. and this kind of drive to succeed and produce and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the motherhood killed me. And I have to say, just as you say that the that there's a, a market, my first break 
in writing publicly came uh, in the year 2011, where I wrote an article on parenting and sleep, because at the time mm -hmm. there were a lot of, um, and it was my first public article, it went viral within half an hour, there were like a 100 comments. And the whole article was sort of like a semi funny piece about the fact that my son uh, just never slept. And that all these uh, books about how to make your kids sleep are totally bogus and they often <laughs> fall into cultural stereotypes okay yes. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, you know, French babies sleep this way, but actually it's the Asian moms that have it right. It's these moms. Or it's just like it was total nonsense. So it was also about like ra racism and stuff like that. Um, and a majority of the comments that I got mm. were I specifically said, I don't have the answer. I'm sleep deprived. My son doesn't sleep. And it was kind of semi funny. And most of the comments were just about how how can i how can i get my baby to sleep how can i get my baby to sleep yeah. then i started to get emails how can i get i'm like i literally wrote an article like i don't know <laughs> you know but uh, yeah, yeah. Then I became famous after that i'm just kidding you have you have to send me this article i haven't read this by you yeah sounds fascinating i did have a baby a son who did not sleep for maybe four years so I do remember those years very very vividly and some in a very foggy way um, but you're right motherhood sleep uh, parenting in general and sleep um, the gendered aspect of it is extremely important to talk about right when when it yeah. comes to women and sleep um, but I also want to talk about children and sleep I mean you have uh, a teen and I have a teenage uh, son yeah. uh, there's something going on with this whole notion of competition and school and you know mm -hmm. getting to um, good college insane amount of homework at least I know my son recently we have been talking about he goes to bed at 2 a.m finishing up homework and wakes up at six o'clock to make what? it to the school bus oh, I, mean, that's I, I tweeted about this that I, I do not understand I mean I was not a great sleeper during my school or college years but at least it was not like this yeah do you have like this where you see um, kids i have an anxious i have an anxious uh, teen but he still listens to me i don't know how that's gonna change so when i say you have to you have to uh but i can see that but he was also naturally born sleeping badly was what i said to myself but then i thought i had imprinted certain anxious patterns of my own upon the child because my mm -hmm. daughter is not, was not like that when she was when she was born I was so caught up in so many other things that I didn't think nonstop. Is the kid sleeping? Is the kid breathing? So the second one slept okay. You know, the first one took on, I feel, all my anxieties. And I feel that we have to also think about the sleep culture we were born into. Like yeah. the sleep culture in my home was pretty bad. I grew up in Bombay in an apartment and my school began at 10 to 7. 6.50 was assembly and prayers, Catholic school. And, uh, and my parents notoriously eat very, very late. Like we had dinner at like 10. The TV was always blaring, you know. Mm -hmm. And I don't know when I slept because I know I was never late to school. So... I don't know if I just never valued it enough and I have to learn to value it more, you know? What was your uh, situation? Well, you know, I grew up, my initial years were in Calcutta and it was slightly more slower. And then I moved to Delhi, which was different. It was early morning. But in Calcutta, mm -hmm. I do remember I had this very nice coming back home from school, 
getting a nap, then waking up, going out to play, then getting homework. It was nicer. But then as times changed, it just became the pace was suddenly completely different. It was. Yeah. Mine was, mine was nice, too, because I don't remember it, any of this as a traumatic memory, by the way. I don't right. remember thinking, my right. God, I need to sleep, but I have to go to school. I don't have that. But I, I do. go in retrospect something right but you know why you say that it's funny because now i have conversations with my female friends now it's a kind of a cycle which is really sad to say that now that you're worried to sleep that worry causes less sleep have you ever had that that the, the worry itself causes you not to sleep i, just, I had it i had it last night because we were going to have a sleep expert on <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know it's a tough um it's a tough situation and i know there's now um a discourse or whatever a conversation taking place i know there's a book out in the us called rest is resistance you wow. know so it's like if sleep is a political issue so yeah. is getting sleep getting good sleep all of those wow. kinds of and uh, who can get good sleep right and the, those host of conversations but i'm also remembering since you mentioned that um historians um i know of this friend and colleague Arun Kumar, who works on sleep and oh, okay. laborers um, who worked in the night. But he also talks about, you know, the 19th century caused a certain change from industrialism. And then the phases people would sleep and take a, you know, wake up in the midnight and sleep again. And so he said he works on this kind of how sleep itself has changed since the 19th century till now, where less and less and less are happening. So I would be so interested to know more from our guest today, Ruhi Schneider. Yeah. yeah. How it yeah. the sleep phases. Absolutely. And uh, I think I see her now. So let's welcome her uh, and we'll get all our questions answered. Absolutely. Hi, Ruhi. Thank you so much for coming here. Um, welcome to the studio. Amrita and I have been sort of flailing with this <laughs> issue on sleep. And we've basically been talking about just our personal uh, experience. So we're excited to have a sleep expert. And I know you have years of experience uh, working on this and you have these complex case studies. And it's just such an honor to have you. And we just wanted to start with a very uh, basic topic. The thing that we're discussing is why are we so sleep deprived on this planet? But the first things first is maybe you want to tell us, like, what is sleep? Why is it important? How much sleep do we really need? So let's get the basics out and then we, we'll give you the hardball questions. Oh, <laughs> can't wait. Awesome, uh, I, um, thank you, Amrita and Bhakti. And Amrita, so nice to meet you. And I've been following you for a while and your adventures, um, scholarly and otherwise. And Bhakti, um, you know, I am so grateful to you on so many levels. And that's a topic for another discussion. Thank you. <laughs> um, um, you know, from Warscapes to the incredible work you're doing in regards of bringing stories to us from all over the world and connecting us to our humanity. And I'm, I'm deeply grateful for that. Um, so, yeah, sleep. It's, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite subjects, something I just fell into. And it is, um, it's an altered state of consciousness. So there's this conception that, you know, brain sleeps when you're sleeping brain sleeps actually doesn't brain is doing so much work it's actually creating all kinds of um all kinds of wonderful things are happening when we go to sleep sleep is actually makes you who you are 
that is a very different distinction from what you are. And that's something I talk about young kid with young kids and young adolescents that sleep is a way into who you become as a human being, not what, don't confuse the two ever. Because this is where your consciousness gets realigned. This is where your memories form. This is where immune system regulates itself. This is where organs get their rest. This is where brain cleans itself of all the toxins that build up. And all these incredible things then lead us to hopefully become incredible human beings. And so this, there's also this notation, like idea around how much sleep you need, which is a very you know, controversial subject in, in many ways, but there is such beautiful science um, around that. And depending on your age, you know, you, we know that young babies sleep for longer time and, and you know, adults, uh, teenagers need anywhere from nine to 10 hours. And adults, as we grow old or get to be adults, you need anywhere from eight to 10 hours. Sleep is completely dependent on your needs. And that is completely dependent on this incredible thing that's happening in our brain, which kind, which is our central clock that regulates our daily rhythms of sleep and wakefulness. And each human being has their own. So if you're waking up refreshed and you're feeling good and your day goes well, um, you're golden. And if those things are interrupted due to mental <laughs> So, but, you know, Ruth, we've been talking about this, that, you know, waking up refreshed, which is hard to get these days. Bhakti and I have been talking about this. Waking but up tired. That's what we've been Waking up tired or, you know, not really fully feeling well. But when do you th think sleep started to become such an issue? Today's sleep is a political issue. It's a social justice issue. Um, also considered a human right in countries like U.S. and India, where it has been officially acknowledged. So where do you think our relationship to sleep started going completely wrong? Um, it's, that is such a complex question and, and so interesting because I think um, there is a difference between our personal relationship to sleep as well as the societal's. Um, our society's idea around mm -hmm. sleep. So, so I don't think our personal relationship to sleep went wrong. I think it's society's imposition on those very biologically essential aspects actually started going wrong. And I think it's been even before our ideas around capitalism, what one should be asking question, who gets good sleep? And how do you attain that good sleep? Um, who does? Who gets exactly? Who does get? Who gets good sleep? Well, actually, I have to say that I'm getting, I'm getting pretty. Oh, I don't know. I mean, Elon Musk is uh, claiming four to five hours of sleep. So the world, I think, is literally being run by sleep-deprived people. That has major consequences on decision making and cognitive abilities. Like literally, you know, less sleep you get, more negative emotions you are going to have. So who actually gets sleep? We should ask all those people that are just, you know, um, that are that sleep under the bunion trees and they're just sleeping. And it's um, we should be asking those questions around that because uh, <laughs> it's like all these other pressures that continue to add up that impinge then on our on our sleep and our health and well-being. Yeah, yeah. But historically, 
do we know if sleep was better and that we are now in the worst kind of epidemic around this crisis? No, I think we have a better understanding of sleep. Yeah. So there, you know, who, uh, you, when you start thinking about who was writing about sleep in, in the Middle Ages or, you know, the Western concept, I'm not looking at the Eastern concept because, you know, we have divans in our, our, in our living rooms in India. Yeah. We have divans, we have beds everywhere. Rest, actually, was a very big part of me growing up because mm. I am, um, I'm a granddaughter of, of um, you know, gentle human farmers. They had, you know, there were beds everywhere. So the person who would come into the house as a guest arriving would be asked if they wanted to lie down after a glass of water before they have a cup of tea because mm -hmm. rest was imbued in that. It's, it was a fabric of where I was growing up. And it's very different from the ideas around the West, which considers yeah. idea of rest, equates it with laziness. Mm. I think is a very wow. Protestant -ish thing. Like, you know, the, the we, we don't talk about those things. And those are the subjects that really require addressing. So mm -hmm. if you look at Middle Ages, you have who's writing about sleep and who's writing about all the monks. Mm. Monks, basically, you know, they had the scholarly, uh, they were, they carried the scholarly aspects of, of that society. And they would wake up partway, write their thoughts, and go back to sleep. Meanwhile, the peasants were working, you know, they would be waking up middle of the night because either the fire went out or there were rats. So this concept of the modern sleep is actually a really wonderful one. The more our the more we got um, sheltered in a way, protected from the outside environments, the better the sleep. Right. So once we once we uh, started removing all those other things that were intrusive to to mm. thinking about whether we are vulnerable or not, mm. then sleep got better and better. So I think these are these are going to be ongo ongoing con conversations. But yeah, there's a very beautiful scientific literature around ideas around consolidated sleep mm. because as human beings, we evolved around mm. the dark. And the lights, right? Cycles, right? So darkness was where you needed to rest and you needed to sleep. And more consolidated the sleep, the better the outcome as survival for our species. Ruhi, I found that fascinating. You talked about divans in the living rooms and wherever in the private spaces of our homes. And I'm thinking, you know, I was born in Calcutta and um, afternoon sleep was a thing. I don't know, Bhakti must yeah. be there, in, you know, in your Absolutely. context also. And, you know, you also talked about shifts of sleep. And, you know, in the last 10 years, you have, your work has been on shift work. And you also argue that there is this kind of slow violence that is caused by shift work. Can you unpack for us what it means? What what do we mean by shift work? And what how is it related to a slow violence? Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you for that question. So for for uh, I was I've been in sleep medicine for two decades, which means I study sleep at night. So I am literally studying sleeps of other people while accumulating my own sleep disorders. Interesting, right? Like that's what ended up happening. You're just like you're studying and you're figuring out other people's issues, and then you suddenly 
a decade later go, whoa, 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 what is happening with me? Like something is really off with so many systems. Um, so shift work. So idea of shift work, if you look at definitions, definitions is anything that is outside what I called normal Henry Ford hours, right? Henry Ford, eight to five or eight to four, or nine to five hours are Henry Ford hours. Um, anything outside of that would be considered, you know, shift work, but that's not actually its definition. The more you go deep into the scientific literature as you unpack it, you realize that it's actually outside the norms of our own circadian clock. Mm -hmm. So if you are, and we are, if there are people who are more morning people, you know, they wake up and they're just like, everything goes, things make sense, they are at it. Evening comes and they're just like, I'm ready, I'm, I'm ready for bed. That's, that's what I want to do. And then you have people like me, or used to be like me, who were like evening type people. I became activated in the evening and everything was clear. Like nights were my very much my thing. I, I could do everything at night. It, things made clear the world quietened down. Mm. So, um, and most people exist in between those, those spaces. So anybody who is... Um, I consider shift work for anyone who's outside the outside of their norms of their own circadian clock. So if you're a morning person and you have to work evenings, then you're outside. That's a that that would be considered. And if you're an evening person and you have to work mornings, that's outside of your circadian clock. That is how I define um, shift work. And I call it the reason I called my entire thesis the slow violence is a term that I borrowed from Rob Nixon, and I need to cite and acknowledge every person because it's sure. important. Um, and also in conversation with my amazing friend, Dr. Sarah Kostner, because I, when I started doing the study itself, and then I had to actually do a presentation on it, I was like, I don't want to say mitigate the negative side of it, because it's not negative. It's something more sinister. There's something deeper about it. So I called it the slow violence because mm -hmm. it is invisible. And Rob Nixon defines it as in, you know, an environmental, invisible environmental catastrophes and its, its sure. impact, its invisible impact on human beings. And he was particularly referring Bhakti and Amrita to the carbide Bomb. Yeah, I know, I know that book. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, right. And so, um, and environmentalism of the poor. So for me, that made com perfect sense because what was happening wasn't at an artificial level. It wasn't like a fast punch that it hit you and you're just like, oh, I feel it. It was happening mm -hmm. at a molecular level, unseen. And by the time most people realize as to what it is, it's already late for quite a few people. You know, there are, and wow. it's it's an ongoing. It's not like this is something new or this has been going on for a long time. And you know, we replicate studies and we replicate more and we replicate more. And um, yeah, praxis is not taken into account. So my whole idea has always been around: how do you take the scientific analysis and but how do you form it into the realities of other human beings? Like, how does it how how do you interpret that? How hmm. do you form praxis? Amazing, that's amazing, wonderful. Um, can I go back to our east-west conversation? I know that it's frowned upon to talk in those uh, terms, but the but 
your India feels different from like I think I I I I feel like I a I did not grow up with nap napping as napping was frowned on. You know, I mean, my school started very early, Catholic school, and uh, there you have it. <laughs> everyone <laughs> I knew came home by one fifteen and then took naps and then did whatever. But somehow yes. in my home, and I think the answer might be that my dad was in a British boarding school, and maybe that's like how the culture altered around that. But but the thing that I have observed uh, now that my friends have kids and things like that is like there is some sort of disrespect towards sleep that is intense. Like when I had kids, I was very intense, like, oh, they have to sleep and they must sleep early and sleep begets sleep and all those things I was reading up. And I just find like kids in India going to like, you know, I'll, I go to a mall in Bombay or something for a movie and it's 1130 and there's kids and it's just like a mela, you know, and it's fun and all that. But like it's a weeknight and they have school in the morning, usually super early. There is some. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where I'm. I don't know if there's a question in there, but it just feels like that East West stuff has merged, you know, whatever that Protestant work ethic thing you're talking about versus a sort of hyper-capitalist, middle-class yeah. India, um, urban India, like something there has also um, also merged. So I don't know how much those theories remain um, to a degree, but I feel like there must be something left to left to recuperate from a previous previous time, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you, what do you think, uh, you know? So I, just, yeah. Very interesting. So you have to look at times. I grew up in the 70s, right? Mm -hmm. I was born in the 70s. Very different India. Mm -hmm. Incredibly different India. You have, you know, we're just forming ourselves, literally. We're just coming out of our post-colonial Raj era and forming these. Um, in, and, and we had, like, beginning, I mean, I'm not going to go into the politics of India right now. That's also another yeah. subject. But when we were forming our ideas of who we are as a nation, it, it was quite extraordinary, right? And um, we didn't, you know, in the 70s, India, you have, India was very much trying to figure itself out and not interested in um, Western, Western ideas of what India needs to be. Right. So that I, and it was a very, it was actually a beautiful time because we didn't, we had only two stations, like, you know, the Durdarshan and, and the, and the Pakistan, like the, the best, actually the best dramas were from Pakistan. Yeah. Right? And we right up, and I grew up in Amritsar, right at the border of India, um, wow. of Lahore and, and, you know, and it was, and the time, and this was also Bhakti, the time where you slept outside. Right. But he had their beds outside and you slept literally under the Milky Way. So very different times mm -hmm. from where we are present right now. Sure. Right. And so um, and th therefore that, you know, um, my idea around educating adolescents and young and young people is emerging from that space too, to realize how. I grew up and how and what sleep constituted and what it meant. And yeah. but that's a retrospective analysis. Like that's not what I was thinking of growing up because sure. you know, you, you went yeah. to bed because it, you weren't, there were no devices, you mm. are not on things, you did your things and you went to bed and then you woke up and 
all of those things, imaginary plays and and communities and and, and neighborhoods. And not all, I'm not saying it's all peaches and cream. No, of course. But, but no. there's, there's, as a child, there is beauty to it. Yeah. We reflect back on that. Absolutely. Mm. There's a total shift in our conception of, of time, of course. And I know, Amrita, you were going to... No, I just want to... Go ahead. No, but I wanted to say, because Bhakti, you mentioned, you know, there's this mall culture now and late nights, but it also brings up what, you know, Ruhi, you mentioned more devices around us, constant hyper-connectivity. I don't know how many of us wake up in the night and look at the phone. All of us. Look at your phone. Don't look at your phone. It's the worst thing to do. It's the worst thing you can do. But you know, with this hyper connectivity, um, hyper everything, hyper productivity, intense work pressure, you're talking about work hours longer, and less of this um, really um, communal connections that we used to have. You're talking yeah. about sleeping under the skies, yeah. uh, so beautifully put. But, you know, so it seems to me that we are saying that capitalism is to blame. But is that the only factor? Are there other factors um, or ignored reasons that you have in your study and research discovered during the course of the last 10 years or so? Not trying to give capitalism a pass. No, no, no. Always the villain. No, no. Capitalism should never get a pass. And I think it's, I think we've moved actually beyond capitalism. We are in a post, I think, post, post, my friend Jeremy. Post, late, I don't know. Post, post, neoliberal. Oh, That's I where see. we are at, right? Like we are in a, we've moved on to a whole different era um, mm -hmm. of, and I think there's, there's a podcast I've recorded, I've not had time because. I was saying I'm involved in something very complex right now that requires all of my intellectual and, and uh, abilities and time and all of that. I'm, I've been focused on that for the past two years. Um, but And sleep actually plays a major role in what I'm doing at the moment as well. And so when you, um, I think the post-neoliberal idea is you extract, you know, time. Sure space bodies ideas like you just are constantly extracting oh. and and it's like as you said like in in ideas around you know careerism is the worst thing that's ever been and it's not just hyper productivity it's hyper competitiveness oh. and that is insane because it what it does is it completely puts us in silos where the idea of wanting to have total collaborations to redefine how we want to live in a society and how we want to redefine the world, not just for my child, but our collective children. Mm. It's actually just, it's, it's, it's in the wayside because we just are so focused on that next rung in the ladder to whatever office or whatever title people want. Mm. And we step on everything that is human. Yeah, it's a. I believe it's 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 dehumanizing. So the more we deprive ourselves, and more we deprive our children, biologically essential aspects is. Um, um, it's incredibly important that we focus on that. That our world builds around that idea. It's not just to we blame on capitalism or. Yeah, neoliberalism. It's um, it's all of us that are also contributing 
to it. Sure, 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 sure. absolutely. And it's interesting you're talking about children because Amrita and I were speaking about this uh, before you joined us. And, uh, you know, I don't know which way to swing. I know that children these days get the least sleep. I mean, I don't know if you followed, I think it was a case in Indonesia where the government changed the timings uh, to 5.30 a.m. for teenagers. And I know teenagers require have to sleep late or their rhythm changes. And, um, and you know, they, they kind of tried to bring a case against um, the state for having changed the timings in the school because there were all these pictures emerging of these kids walking to school like the sun hasn't even mm -hmm. risen yet and so on. But like, on a personal level, it's like motherhood took my sleep, you know? I mean, of course, I am very concerned about my child's sleep, but it's like, what, you know, what what the hell, you know? Like, it, it just completely, um, that's the first time I became aware, you know? It is now that I'm thinking, did I sleep well as a child? And I don't know, because I have no memory. I don't remember that being a huge issue at all. But it became an issue as soon as the newborn came into my into my life. And, you know, for a while, um, uh, my partner also chose to stay up, but then it wasn't workable. It's like, why are we all running around being sleep deprived? That's not love. That's absurd. So, you know, somebody has to function, you know, it's like, but, um, but like, I'm thinking like, can you comment a little on gender and sleep? I feel like, is sleep a particular issue for women? Can we blame the patriarchy now that we're done with capitalism? Oh, well, yeah, I am patriarchy is the center of all insanity. Oh, 100%. I mean, Bhakti, you, you have these conversations all the time, right? openly in, in public as well, you know, as do I. And, and the whole Indonesian um, thing, I think I did a whole tweet on it stating how... Mm. Uh, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a violation of human rights. It's a uh, not only it's it's a torture to yeah. do that to children whose circadian clocks are actually and that's definitely a different conversation. We should definitely do that and gear it towards teens. Is mm -hmm. how their clocks actually shift when your teenagers' circadian clock literally shifts. So you are pushing them against their very nature, like of what is supposed to be happening, pushing against it. You know, it was the same thing when they were like, you know, um, where reading needs to happen in kids. And then you realized, wait, the brains itself form differently in, in male and female. That you realize that male, it took longer than for to read. Women were able to, girls were, or young females were able to read way before the age mm. than, than males and or yeah so it's the same thing in um regards to sleep and gender and definitely uh, motherhood has a massive impact on just not just our sleep it's an aspect that we are deprived of because we as in terms of like reproductive abilities and the follow-up <laughs> post post reproductive is basically basically women Right. Yeah. You can have I you can have amazing partners. That's not saying sure. that we don't, and I'm not saying that we don't have amazing partners. I I actually do. Um, but mm -hmm. most of the work is on women. You are breastfeeding at night. You are, you know, breastfeeding alone, and yeah. the and your brain literally as you become a mother changes. It totally shifts. It's rewiring itself. 
Mm -hmm. like, you know, how our body responds to our children. There is like this, um, um, th there's this incredible relationship between a mother and a child that um, a father does not have. And that is, is so, and, and our sleep becomes very shallow in that way because we yeah. need to be able to hear. Exactly. It's, it's anxiety ridden, even if the kid is sleeping. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You just, you, and it's anxiety ridden for the rest of our lives as mothers. Exactly. Because we, I, I talked about this, you know, I had a um, great conversation and it's ongoing on, on motherhood and brain. Mm. And it's, it's ongoing, it's 24 7. Yeah, and yeah. so it does. It totally shifts our sleep, and the, and in some cases we never recover um, from that. Oh God! And, yeah, and the motherly duties. You know, imagine like being a shift worker who's who's a single who's a single mother. Like, oh. go to the worst case scenario possible, which is where I go to. I go, okay, well, you got to start. If you want to change a system, you got to start with the least, like the lowest denominator ever and build up yeah. because if you're not taking care of that then there is going to be no change or effect in a society in a system mm -hmm. right so you look at shift single mothers which i know and i i've worked with and i have deep love and respect and admiration for the things they have to do yeah and, and you know uh, throughout and how their sleep is compromised because they have to come home from their late night and they're not even, we're not even talking about, I'm not going, going to go into the science of it. Um, yeah. You know, they're already compromised. They have to then come from their shift work, look after their kids, take them to school and then wake up before they exactly. have to pick them up and then do everything to get ready for the next shift. Oh, It's dehumanizing. There is no humanity in it. Yeah. We have built an entire society, structure, systems that is not human, mm -hmm. non-human model. Yeah. That's really, you know, really interesting, Ruhi, you're talking about the gendered aspect of sleep, but it also struck me when you were talking about teens, and if you can follow up on this, you said teens literally have a shift in circadian rhythm. Can you explain what that means in terms of sleep? Yeah, so when questions, we both have teens. No. <laughs> I'm almost yes. worried now. No, no, don't don't be worried. That's uh, we will we will empower them. We don't need to worry about them. We will we'll figure we'll that's why we're having these conversations. So we will make sure that uh, they are fully empowered in their health and well-being. Um, so what happens with as teenagers, there are um, the circadian clock itself gets delayed. So the there is a hormone called melatonin that mm. activates sleep mechanisms. And so melatonin itself is delayed as as you enter adolescence. And when we wake when we wake up, sleep is literally building up. It starts to build up the moment you wake up. And that process is actually slowed down as well in, in teenagers. So not only the circadian clock itself is delayed, the need, the drive to sleep itself is delayed. So it shifts. So that's why teens like being up at night and waking up late at night because that's their biology. Mm. That's what happens. And you can curtail it to a certain point for sure. But 
tell me a teenager, like there are very few, and this is field work I've done for a decade as well within in classrooms, you know, where I've asked them what is going on. And on top of the, on top of that, the, the hyper-competitiveness that you, they have to do, like now, they, you know, you, they have to have binders full of things before they can even, I know where I, I want to that binders. Binders, yeah. binders full of things yeah. that they have to present in order to get to um, any place and then societal pressure. Sure. Uh, yeah, pressure they're putting on themselves, which is the sad part. Like, I can't help anymore, nor can Amrita help her son anymore with like, don't do this or you know they want that they are feeling it they've taken it on uh and i know several states in the u.s changed their uh, school start uh, times because of a study on uh, teen asleep mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we are gonna be out of time so i wanted you to leave us with like a, a, a real wisdom for all of us to move forward and try to fix the sleep deprivation epidemic personally or collectively Okay, so I'm going to just talk from my very personal experience here, um, okay. because um, um, that's all I can do. Um, you know, I'm not the one going, you must get, no, I know why you're not getting, like, you know, we all know that, and you are, we are more aware of ourselves and our bodies. So build your systems around your sleep. So I am very protective of my sleep. I really am, because I, um, there are a lot of pressures. And there are a lot of things. And I know that if I don't get that, that everything else about me is going to be compromised. Mm. And I know that for a fact because I did a decade-long study on it. So I, it's really important to please not look at your phones. Just start slow. Don't, don't, put, don't like create a whole list around everything and just say, I have to do this, 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 this. Just start with a singular thing. So if you're waking up middle of the night and checking your phone, kindly put your phone out of the bedroom. I mean it, like take it out, put it out, unless you know you really, really need it for emergency purpose. Don't look at it. It's going to compromise more than just your sleep. Yeah. It's going to yeah. have deleterious effects on the rest of your system. Mm -hmm. And very, very kind, kind, kind to yourself at least an hour before going to bed. Just mm -hmm. do that. Just do that. Turn your lights down in your house. And um, I don't know if you... What listen. about TV? I need to watch TV before I sleep. <laughs> Bhakti, you and I need to have... My most relaxed hour. <laughs> yeah, you might think that. Um, but it's it's going to have it is going to have an impact overall impact on the quality of your sleep. So that's something exactly. we can definitely talk about uh, <laughs> anytime, anyone. Like just let's talk about it more and more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and just do that. Do, do those things. Those are two things that you can start with. Get away from blue light. It'll mm. activate systems <laughs> in your brain because your brain cannot distinguish between daylight or yeah. the blue light. Mm. It, it automatically thinks, oh, my God, time to wake up and sends all these signals. The circadian clock is like, whoa, 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 what is happening here? This is not, yeah. <laughs> we need to sleep. So it, it, it is. So start with those little things and connect, connect on these topics more and more and more so we can build, start building better systems somewhere. Thank you so much. This is my Thank wonderful. you. Okay.
Oh, this thank you. Lisa. I appreciate this. Thank you for having me. I just, I can honestly say I love everything about this. <laughs> thank you once again. Absolutely. We'll be back on The Wire next week with another question, another exciting guest, and more conversation.